I'm going to ask you to agree with me now as I lift up my heart and pray as we prepare to hear the word that God's put in my heart for all of us. Father, we come before you this morning once again. Thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ brings us before the throne of grace this morning. Thank you for the word that you have given to me to share with all of us. I pray now for the help of the Holy Spirit that he will lead and guide me in everything that I'm to say and that we will all receive, be blessed by the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about one word, reflection. Now, for the benefit of this message, I wanted to make sure we all understood that one of the definitions of reflection is a serious thought. I know there's a reflection that you see in your mirror, but there's also a de- one of the definitions of the word reflection is a serious thought. And reflections have to deal with when you and I give serious thoughts to life. And, and uh, for instance, uh, serious thought to schooling. As Brother Hector is in school right now in college, some of you that are going to be graduating high school have to give serious thought. You have to reflect on where does uh, uh, college, what, what's the next step for me? Which college should I attend? And once you even graduate from college, uh, what, what career should I go into? How should I pursue making a living? And of course, we need to always give serious thought for those that are single and say, well, who should I marry? Uh, does God call me to be married? And if so, to whom should I, should I get married? These are all serious thoughts about life that we need to uh, give. And of course, there's no more serious thought, no more reflection that we should have than in our, on our spiritual life. How can we grow spiritually? And today, we are going to be closing out our series, A Journey Through John. Uh, We're going to be looking at some reflections that God has revealed to me from chapter 21. So if you have your Bible, uh, I'm going to begin in verse 1. I'm going to read the first uh, 22 verses. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples Excuse me. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were about 
only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went abroad and dragged the net to to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. But Peter turned around and saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Uh, need to get a tissue. I'm sorry, I'm going out of camera quickly. My apologies on that. Okay, so now, as we have just read, Jesus had resurrected from the dead. He had already appeared to his disciples two times. He had told them to wait into, in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. And in that waiting period, we find that now Peter decides I want to go fishing. And the disciples that were with him that day decided, okay, we're going to go with you. And the Bible tells us that they fished all night long, but they didn't catch anything. They were returning to shore, disappointed and surely hungry. And that brings me to my first reflection. And that is this, listen, disappointments are part of life. Disappointments are part of life. It's important that we all take that seriously, that think about that in a serious way, because as children of God, we are not exempt from disappointments in life. When I talk about disappointment, I talk about times when, in spite of our best efforts, everything that we try to accomplish or the things that we hope for 
don't come to pass. I mean, the disciples were experienced fishermen and they put their best effort to try to catch the fish, but they caught nothing all night long. There are times where there are relationships that we put our best effort in to try to make happen, but they don't work out the way we expected them to work out. And so we're disappointed. Sometimes we could be disappointed because the career hasn't developed the way we thought it would develop. We haven't gotten the promotions that we thought we would get. We haven't earned the monies that we thought we would, uh, we would have earned by now. And so we are disappointed with, with where we're at regarding our career, or our jobs. And certainly ministry isn't exempt from disappointment. There are times where, where we endeavor to put our best effort to try to minister the gospel, to try to encourage people through God's word, to try to do all of these things that the word of God tells us that we as a church ought to do. But just because we put our best effort in there, it doesn't mean we're always going to be successful. I don't know any pastor who lives without having disappointments in ministry. We all have them. Disappointments are part of life. And it's important that we recognize that because if we don't take serious thoughts regarding disappointments and understanding that it's part of life, then here's what will happen. When disappointments come, we will be susceptible to thinking that God no longer loves us or he loves us less or that, or that God has a plan that has failed. I'm disappointed that my career hasn't taken off the way I thought, the way I thought God will bless me. And so now if I'm not careful, if I don't understand that disappointments are part of life, then I might begin to start blaming God and say, you should have taken care of this. I thought by now I would be in this place. I thought by now ministry would be in in that place. And then all of a sudden now, because we are disappointed, we're thinking that God is supposed to exempt us from disappointments. And so in the end, we blame God. Disappointments do not mean that God loves you any less or that the plan that he has for you has failed. In fact, that helps me to segue into my second reflection. And here it is. God has a plan for your disappointments. God has a plan for your disappointments. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at the disciples. They're going fishing. They come back to shore disappointed. They're heading back there. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. We're hungry. And now, unbeknownst to them, Jesus is already on the shore and he already has breakfast ready for them. That's the first thing he's planned for them, to take care of their need. He know, I know they're going to be hungry. They don't have any fish. Let me provide breakfast for them. And if that wasn't enough, on top of that, the Lord had already prepared a miracle catch for them in the fish, the 153 fish. In other words, in the end, listen now, what God had prepared for them far outweighed their disappointments. What God had prepared for them far outweighed their disappointments. And this is not the first time we see something like that. In fact, 
because we're celebrating communion today and remembering the Lord that way, let's go back to that time. You remember that the disciples, after Jesus had been crucified, they were all disappointed. They thought he was the Messiah. He was going to deliver us from Roman oppression. He was going to establish the kingdom of God in such a powerful way. And so Jesus' death disappointed them, made them sad on top of that. But they didn't realize that God had a greater plan, you see. Their disappointment was actually the door that was opening for the greater blessing that God had already prepared so that they could see for themselves and experience for themselves the resurrection power of Almighty God. God's plan. He had already purposed and planned a greater blessing than their disappointment. Has that ever happened to you? I didn't get the job that I wanted. I thought for surely I would get that job and, I'm, and you're disappointed that you didn't get that job and you had even prayed and some of us maybe even fasted a little bit for that. I thought we were going to get that job and then you did your, uh, your best at that interview and you thought surely I got, did a great interview and then you find out they didn't hire you. But then as a result of that, God opened another door that was even a better job than the one you had applied for. The one that you thought was the job that would bless you, you see. I know that that happened to me one time when I was in the business world. I was looked for an, overlooked for an, uh, uh, a, a, a promotion that I thought I was more than qualified for. In fact, I was way overqualified than the person they actually gave it to. And I couldn't understand why that happened. Only to discover less than two weeks later that they offered me a position in management, making a lot more money with a greater future than the job I swore I could have gotten and should have gotten. See, God has a plan for your disappointments in life. Your disappointment... Let me go back and talk about this one. Because if you are a young adult, you've probably experienced the disappointment of the one that got away. The girl that got away. The guy that got away. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. That one that you swore, this is the one God has for me. Hallelujah. Praise his wonderful name. And then you see her later on at the altar with another man. And you're crushed because this is the one that I thought was going to be the, with me for the rest of my life and make me happy. And all of a sudden, as you're weeping at the altar... Oh, God, you don't love me. You don't care for me. Oh, God, why did you love me? I thought she was the one. And then as you wipe your eye, you look that way, and all of a sudden, there she is. And there's an aura around her. And it's amazing how fast we get over our hearts, isn't it? It's amazing how quickly the heart can heal. And all of a sudden, the disappointment, the thing that you thought the world was coming to an end, 
Now, the one that God has planned for you has come on the scene. You see, brothers and sisters, what I'm getting at is God has prepared a greater blessing than your disappointments. Can I get a witness for that? Can we, get, can we understand here, can we give serious thoughts that an understanding disappointments are part of life. It happens to everybody. All of us experience disappointment at some point in time in our life. But God has a plan for our disappointment. And it's a great plan. Now, let me just make mention of this. For you and I to experience the greater blessing that God has for all of us, it might take you to give God greater obedience. Now I'm putting greater in quotes because there's no such thing as greater obedience. Either we obey or we don't obey. So let me rephrase that and put it this way. For us to often experience the greater blessing that God has beyond our disappointment, it's going to require greater faith for you and I. Let's talk about the disciples. These are experienced fishermen that were on the sea all night and caught nothing. They're coming back to shore at dawn. And now some guy on the shore calls out to them. They don't know it's the Lord. But some guys say, hey, you, you, did you catch any fish? They go, no, we got nothing. Okay, throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some. The amazing thing is they listened. They listened to a perfect stranger. And here's why this is amazing. As experienced fishermen, they would never, ever throw their net out when the sun is up. Because it was useless, because fish would see, can see the net now that the sun is out. Fish could see the net and they could easily avoid the net. Moreover, the Bible tells us they were less than 100 yards from the shore, too close for the fish, because when dawn comes, the fish head out into the deep where they'll be safer. So the, the, the decision to throw their net out in the right side of the boat didn't make any sense to them. Moreover, it came from a guy they didn't even know who it was. And yet, these experienced fishermen listened to them, to this stranger, and because they listened, they experienced a greater blessing. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for your life, for my, my life. It's a plan not to harm us or create disaster, but it's a plan to give us hope and a future and to prosper us. But let's make sure we understand this verse in its context. God gave the prophet Jeremiah, this word, to give to the people of God that were in exile in Babylon. So God, even though they're in a place they don't want to be, living among a people they don't want to live among, and they're there because of their disobedience to God, 
Yet, in his infinite mercy and grace, God sends the prophet and say, here's the word that I have for you. I've got a plan for your life. i got a plan, and it's not to harm you. It's a plan to prosper you, to give you hope, and to give you a future. Right where you're at, right in the place that you think, I can't bless you, I'm going to bless you. You see, there are times where we are disappointed with our environment. We're disappointed with our life and how it's unfolding. But if we're not careful, we can start blaming God. Instead, we should focus on the fact that God has a plan. And his plan even includes a greater blessing than our disappointments. So now, we got disappointments are part of life. That's our first reflection. Our second reflection is that God has a plan for our disappointments. Here's my last reflection, and then we'll pray. Don't be distracted when following Jesus. Don't be distracted. We have to give serious thought to this because Jesus had told Peter, Peter, I want you to follow me. And the word follow there means to accompany. But it is speaking about an intimate relationship as two people are walking, conversing together, exchanging ideas and thoughts. So Jesus is inviting Peter to come along with him. And it's talking about this unique, intimate relationship with the Lord. What he offers to every single child of God. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ, if you embrace him as Lord and Savior of your life, Jesus is encouraging you to follow him, to walk alongside with him so that he can talk to you and you can talk to him and have that intimate relationship with him. So Peter begins to do this. But then the Bible says that there was somebody that began also following. It was John. John begins following behind them. And Peter, instead of focusing on Jesus, now looks back and he tells the Lord, what about him? And Jesus responded, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, that's not your business. How I deal with him is not your business. You follow me. In other words, Peter was distracted for that moment from uh, focusing on the Lord to focus on John. Now, sometimes we're just like Peter. Instead of keeping our eyes on the Lord, we get distracted from following Jesus by focusing in on other people's lives. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Father, I've noticed that you have blessed Pastor Jason, blessings that I don't have, that you've not given me. Why are you blessing Jason and not blessing me? What has he done outside of playing a a, a few uh, uh, keyboard there and and clicking the ivory or whatever? Uh, I got a good, just as good a voice as he has. Why is he more blessed than I am? See? There are times where we get envious of another brother or another sister. 
how God is blessing them, what God is doing in their life. And we want what they want. Instead of focusing on our own personal relationship with the Lord, we are now taking our eyes off of Jesus and we are looking back at another brother or another sister. And when you do that now, now all of a sudden, you get distracted. You're not giving serious thought of the fact that God Almighty wants to have an intimate relationship with you and you're more focused now on another brother or sister's life. And listen, no one is exempt from that happening. Let me be transparent with you of the struggles that pastors, pastors get distracted this way. God, why does that church have 100 people and I only have 50? I'm a better speaker than that pastor. Why is this church bigger than my church? Why is that church more blessed financially than we are blessed financially? And we start looking at what God is doing and how God is blessing other churches. And here's a mistake that pastors make. I'm just giving you an illustration to show you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what title you have. Any one of us at any time can be distracted. Because what winds up happening is, I see that that church is being blessed. Now, I want to know how that church is being blessed. What are they doing? Maybe I can do what they're doing so that I can be blessed, so that our church can be blessed. And so you have conferences that are geared to say, here's how God blessed us. Do what we do and, and you'll be blessed. The problem with that is, we're going to someone else to find out how to be blessed instead of walking with Jesus. Because if as a pastor I walk with Jesus, he will tell me what I need to know about the congregation he's called me to lead. Because God has a plan. And the plan that he has for Belmont is not the plan that he has for another church. We need to recognize, brothers and sisters, the plan that God has for you is unique. There's no one, another, no one like it on the face of this earth. It's unique in that fashion. Don't take your eyes off Jesus to see how he's blessing somebody else. Stay focused on your relationship with him. Because when you compare your relationship to Jesus by his relationship with others, it will always distract you. This problem, this tendency that we have is as old as Cain and Abel. Worship team, if you would come. Remember Cain and Abel? Two sacrifices. Abel brought the right sacrifice. Cain didn't. God told Cain, Cain, if you bring the right sacrifice, you'll be accepted. But what happened? Cain got angry at his brother. He took his eyes off of God and focused on his brother. And because he was blessed by God, in his anger, he struck him down. Whenever we compare our relationship with God by his relationship with others, we'll never be fruitful. And eventually, it will derail our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Three reflections. I'm going to leave you this morning. In other words, a serious thought. I want you to give serious thought to the fact that disappointments are part of life. But God has a plan for our disappointments. And that you and I should never
be distracted when we're following Jesus. If by the grace of God, we can give those serious thoughts, we'll lead fruitful lives. The blessing of God will be upon our lives.